When you're living in a new city and you have this list of everything you want to do, but you're living there, it's always there. It's going to always be there until it's not. And that I think is one of the lessons at 2020. But this pandemic, I'll say that, has taught us because life isn't always going to be right there for you to live, especially in the travel world. This taught us that Paris won't always be there. There's gonna be a time, hopefully never again, but there has been a time where we weren't able to go to Paris and do all these different things. And I'm so grateful that's one of the lessons that I've learned with a smile on my face that take advantage of where you are when you're able because tomorrow's never promised, unfortunately. Hello, everyone. Welcome back or welcome to another episode of the Feeding Curiosity podcast. I'm your host, Eric Wenzel, as always. Feeding Curiosity explores human experience. Through conversations, we can learn from other people with their ideas, their habits, routines, and anything else they've picked up along the way. It's through these conversations that we can have blueprints to live better in any form. I hope you look at your own life with just a little bit more curiosity. My guest today on the podcast is Stephanie Garcia. Stephanie is a traveler who found herself working and living in a hostel in London for three years. Alongside this, she has spent a lot of her time teaching children and showing them there is more to life than books. In this conversation, Steph and I really dive into her travels, and the most important one being, or the focal point, the hostel. Because from my own experience, the hostel really doesn't have a large play in what I thought about it. I hadn't realized how many different variations on a hostel there could be and also around the stigma of it and for someone like Steph who basically said I'm gonna live here and work here for three years is one of those moments that really shape and define how you view the world especially as someone who's grown and lived in grown up and lived in an area that is roughly where I've always lived is it just seems so out of the ordinary and throughout the conversation, we get into other stories that Steph find meaningful from favorite travel places to stories about travel places. In many cases, these favorite travel stories actually can be stories that one may consider to be negative or not what one might expect. It could have actually turned into a bad memory rather than being a good one. But instead, Stephanie has chose to remember them in a positive way, which is really interesting. I found this conversation to be really fun after hearing some of Steph's story through Clubhouse, which we mentioned a couple times where I was able to connect with her initially. It just was interesting to fill in the gaps that normally you don't get as much time to talk about yourself or get into longer stories on an app. So having this little bit extra to understand where the stories come from or where the interests come from. Please enjoy this conversation with Stephanie Garcia. Welcome back to another episode of the Feeding Curiosity podcast. Today on the show is Steph Garcia. Hi, Steph. Hello, hello. How are you? Good, how are you? I'm (laughs) excited. I'm good. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to this. This is so cool for me. I just find people who are, I think, have interesting stories, and 
They come either from like Instagram or in your case, it seems to be a common trend right now, Clubhouse. So the new app that I feel like half of the internet seems to be talking about. <laughs> With um, good reason. Yeah, it's like a perfect storm in some sense. So that this app exists during a quarantine and I'm sure we'll get there at some point. But to start, who are you and what do you do? Just a quick little bio of what do you spend your time doing? So my name is Steph. I'm from Montreal, Canada. And in 2016, I went traveling with my cousin for a month and a half. And I landed at a hostel that I had never, I, it was the third hostel I ever stayed at. I got offered a job and I ended up living in a hostel for three years and I was living there, working there. I was also, I was a volunteer there. So the hostel made my entire life for the past few years. And I owe so much to it. Such amazing experiences, but I am also a teacher. My tagline is I used to take care of kids who acted drunk. Now I take care of drunks who act like kids because I was yelling at the guests about the same things that I yell at my two-year-olds. So yeah, that that's a little about me. <laughs> <laughs> that's so good. So the first question there is, what was the first place or I guess maybe the first hostel that you decided to stay at? Because that's I just would say that's not what most people end up thinking about when they travel or just, hey, I'm just going to stick around. Yeah, no. So the first hostel was a, was a hostel in Scotland. My boss had a daughter who had done the whole hostel life thing and I had never really heard about it. I had, I traveled Europe before and never really stayed at hostels, but something came over us and we're like, let's do the whole hostel thing. So we get, get to our first hostel in, in Scotland and it was horrible. It was like a 12 bed dorm. Nobody was talking to each other. Me and my cousin were like, this isn't what we've been hearing. Like this doesn't <laughs> sound fun. And by the end of it, we got the entire room to become friends because I'm a talkative person. I tend to do stuff like this. And then after that hostel, we went to one other one, which was like a party hostel. So I saw a whole different vibe and I was like, whoa, this is so weird. I actually like this. And then the third hostel was the London hostel where I ended up working and living. And that hostel opened, like I got there and everybody welcomed us with open arms. We were like best friends with everybody from like the first night that people were thinking that I actually worked there. And they're like, oh, like I'm new to London. What do you suggest I do tomorrow? And I was like, so am I. This is my first day. And they're like, oh, you're friends with everybody. My bad. And I was like, no, this is just me. I got offered a job then. And they're like, my future boss was like, I see that you're like, that you tend to fit in really well. You speak a few languages. Definitely, please let us know. Six months later, there I was living and working at that hostel. <laughs> wow, that's such a crazy turn of events to have it start out so rocky, for lack of a better term. Yeah. And then to be able to turn it around, that's unheard of, I think, in most people. I think in that moment, most people were like, hostels are not for me. I'm going to avoid those like the plague. See, I think hostels have a really bad rep around them, which is why I made a club on Clubhouse called uh, The Hostel Life, just as just to change skeptics' minds, because there's different levels to hostels. You have like your grungy hostels that are for like the big travelers who are like, I don't care what I'm paying for. I just want, I don't care if there's crap on the floor. I just want to be traveling and spending my money wisely. But then you also have the boutique ones that are like the one I stayed at was cleaned, I think six, seven times a day, super clean, all this. And our hostels were fun. Like they weren't the normal hostel experience that you hear about, mm -hmm. which I think is the big misconception with people. 
Yeah, that's interesting to me because I, I don't really, I didn't really have too much of an impression of hostels outside of my one friend went to Japan and they basically just stayed there because it was just the cheapest option at the time, but it was mostly like in transition, stay here one night while traveling to one place and then you just move on. It's more of a footnote rather than a thing to think, spend extra energy on. Yeah. And I think that's the people's problems is that they tend to just stop off in hostels and they don't fully get to experience what a hostel is. Like we are, we were hosting an event or two every single day to get travelers together, to get them connected. And that was my job towards the end. I was the events coordinator and manager. So I was in charge of making sure that people were putting on good events and that people were getting in, like into it and having fun and meeting each other. And for me, when you're traveling, it's not so much the destination, although most people will say it is a destination. For me, it's the people that you meet, the things that you did, the experiences that you had. Mm -hmm. And hostels will shape that. You meet the right people in hostels and your entire trip is planned out for you and made and you have friends and it's so much fun. I <laughs> clearly cannot stop talking about I, it. <laughs> it's clear in the sound of your voice and for those not watching the video, but also in the expression, it's all smiles. And honestly, it's now funny to say this, but it's in most cases, right? It's the, it's the people you meet or the things that you don't plan on that wind up actually making the experience, right? Maybe, I, I don't know why it feels so counterintuitive now, because maybe it's the, just the quarantine the last year and a half that those things don't feel as important as they once were, but we're, I think we're going to relearn that really fast, right? Like what, what's the point of going away to school or things like that? It's like the going to a specific place means you you know, just bump into people who think like you or are there for exactly. the same reason. And I think it provides something that it's like, you can't, it's like, you can't put a dollar value on that, or you can't put an expectation on it where it's like, Hey, this is what I'm expecting to get out of it. It's, you just have to experience it and then just let it go. Like you can't predict it. Yeah. And that's what I think is so special about traveling as well. It's like when you're traveling, the way you meet different people, they change your point of view of life like I one of the biggest lessons I learned is to not judge somebody based on how they look and that is a lesson that we're learned super young but we don't think about it as adults like a lot of my friends at the hostel they looked like they were like homeless and you look at them and you're like I don't want to be friends with you and then you hear them talk and they're telling me about like what like, one of them I think is a what's it called a microbiologist like the smartest people are living at this place and you're talking to them and you're like how are you this smart I was not expecting you to be like this and so many people just changed for me once I got to know them and I think that's so important like you said especially within this pandemic connecting people mm -hmm. and that's something that really affected me this pandemic because I went from talking to so many different people a day and getting to know so many different stories to being alone in my room in Montreal. Like I went from living with a hundred people to living basically alone with my mom working. That was a massive switch for me, not getting to hear people's stories. And that's what Clubhouse did. And Clubhouse is now connecting people in ways that we weren't able to during this pandemic. And I'm just a massive Clubhouse supporter. So um, <laughs> I have to say Clubhouse could sponsor me because I feel like I talk about them with everybody. 
But yeah, I feel one of the really nice things that somebody told me in one of my rooms on Clubhouse was I felt like I was in a hostel lounge where everybody was just talking with each other. A bunch of travelers talking about hostels that they stayed at or hookup stories that we do. And all these different things that happen inside a hostel and getting to hear all these different travelers share stories again with such a smile on my face and gets me excited about travel again and meeting all these incredible people. It almost sounds like at least a hostel itself is like a campfire in a lot of ways. Yes. Where the, there were people just at the end of the day, you don't, you obviously don't have anywhere to be. And maybe half of those people are leaving or some amount of those people are leaving. Other people are going to stick around and stay, see it in the area. But then you get all of this like extra just kind of stories that I think most of us miss because at least the average person has such a regimented routine, at least in the Western society, where it's you have your nine to five or whatever it is that you do for work and you exist in this kind of like bubble like routine. Yeah. Whereas in the travel world, you get this way different and I guess more organic way of experiencing other people. And I guess I feel like you've probably just heard so many stories about like where to check out or changed plans. I, I would love to hear like any stories where after hearing a story from someone, you would just be like, we're going there tomorrow instead of wherever the heck we were planning. Oh my God. <laughs> yes. Okay. So one day my friend came to visit me. She's from DC mm-hmm. and she came to London and she was going to Nice after London. And I was like, I'm pretty sure I was working nights then as a receptionist. So something happened with the computer, the, the schedule got mixed up. So I magically had four days off except exactly when she was going to Nice. And I called her up at 3 a.m., I think. And I was like, yo, what are your thoughts on me coming to Nice with you? And she was like, yes. And I booked my ticket. It was like 2 or 3 a.m. I was on the plane at 4 p.m. the next day. And we had dinner in Nice. And I was like, last night's dinner, I didn't think I'd be coming to France. And here I am in France now. I don't even know what is happening. But I cried multiple times on that trip just because... Some 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 of the best trips are the ones that you didn't expect were going to ever happen. <laughs> <laughs> and that was one of them. And that was one of my favorite trips ever. And that's the thing with hostels is that you meet people like, mind you, my friend was my friend from a while ago, but I saw so many people being like, yeah, let's go here together. Oh, let's do this together. And I got to meet a lot of my travel friends through the hostel. That's the people I traveled with. And unfortunately, we weren't able to do too many last minute trips just because we were either all working at different times at the hostel or stuff like that. So we had to make it a bit more planned. But that was one of the best, most spontaneous trips that happened during my hostel life there. Cool. I think actually one of the things I just thought of is do travelers typically just take because I would assume like serving jobs or something if they're going to be in a place long enough. But do they typically end up working at places like hostels or even hotels just to make some extra cash? Yeah, so our hostel was a bit different than most. We had, so we had like our employees, which were the cleaners, receptionists, and and the manager. But then you also had a room that's called the weekly room. So they paid a weekly rate, which was cheaper than a normal weekly rate as a guest. But they were like the face of the hostel. So like if somebody had questions, they'd be the ones answering it. They'd host events, stuff like that. And those people all had jobs. Like I had my ex who was an electrician, a friend who was a chef, all these different people. And for a while I was teaching as well. So I was doing hostel, like I was receptionist for about six, seven months. 
then I went back to teaching and then I dabbled in like volunteering and different things around the hostel. But I'm like that person that's been there too long that knows what's happening with everybody and knows how every job goes. So they'll be like, oh, Steph, we need a cleaner. Steph, we need you in reception. So it's all over the place throughout the end. But yeah, there's a lot of different. (laughs) Yeah. When you're there for three years and you've done all the jobs already, it just happens that you just end up in these situations. (laughs) so cool honestly it's one of those things too that's surprising because you it's like when you just see life it's just so much of it just works and you don't know how it just works until something breaks and you're like this is really inconvenient now it's like when your website doesn't load long like too long kind of thing and i feel like if you're just traveling it makes you more aware about what like how much effort it goes into just making stuff work in life like just even yeah. simple comforts. <laughs> it's so cool that you just have like this like mentality of just like solving problems and being able to just maybe like live simply without like things. Cause especially with like in America, we were so privacy focused. Cause like you said, it's a dorm room in hostels. Like, yeah. You know, so the sense of privacy that most of us here in the United States have is very different <laughs> in a hostel that would yep. be a learning curve for most people. <laughs> Look, I'm a very open person and it was still like, like a curve for me because you go from living in a bedroom alone to having to deal with another five people, at least like in my room, we had five people, six people, including me, but if you have, not only are you like not rooming with only girls, but now you're having to live with a guy and guy and girls, they live very differently. A lot of them, I'm there being like, Boy, pick up your socks. They're they're like, pick up your makeup. So it was a really weird dynamic, but especially I'm biased when I say this because we all live there. I've stayed at different hostels. I've, I've done the whole hostel thing, but living in a dorm is different with your friends because you're not scared about, oh, is this person going to be a creep? You're not scared about, oh, is my stuff safe? You're going to always have that in, in the back of your mind, but you go, I know these five people live with me. Like, I don't think somebody's going to steal my laptop and use it in front of me tomorrow. So it's, it is a learning curve, but if you're staying at a good enough hostel, like I was, you don't spend a lot of time in a room. Yeah. You're everywhere, but the bedroom, <laughs> the bedroom is there to sleep and fingers crossed. You don't have a major snorer in the room or somebody who's extremely loud. Uh, fingers <laughs> crossed. I had to deal with it, but it makes up for it because you're like, for me, I'm constantly surrounded by people, puts a smile on my face. I love getting people to experience London. And it was just one of the downfalls that I came to love of sharing a room with people. I miss it now. I can only imagine just from what you've been saying, like the shock of having to come back home with the advent of the pandemic and stuff like that. It's, it's one of those things that I really didn't expect myself. I'm pretty introverted in general, but to, for you just to go from, I don't know, on average, probably anywhere from a dozen people or more talking to or interacting with in a given week to a handful, there's no way you just handle that easily. I went through a super hard time. I was separated from my boyfriend at the time. All my friends were in Australia together with my ex and pandemic wasn't a thing there. So I was just here deep in lockdown being like, wow, okay. I've had 
my friends are all chilling together. I can't see anybody. I went from a hostel and living with so many people and talking to so many people to not talking to anybody. And it was a really rough time. And once again, thanks to Clubhouse, I got to talking to people again, got to talk about travel, got excited again, and finally started going through old pictures and old videos that would put smiles on my face and being, instead of looking back in like sadness and being like, that's not the life I'm living. I started looking back very gladly. So with a smile on my face and saying, you're going to get back to this life, whether it's this life or another one, it's going to come back to adventure and travel at some point. I, that's a great way to change the mindset. Instead of saying like right now sucks, it's more of like the fact that you can't do the thing that you really want to be doing makes it that much more special, like in a double whammy kind of sense, being able to look back on it and say, oh, I really do actually enjoy that thing now in that I yeah. can't experience it. And now I'm going to put that much more effort to be present with it. Because there's so many things that I took for granted when I was like living in London or even traveling, just the fact that I've never been to like been inside Westminster Abbey. Really? And I, I think that is one of the coolest places ever. When you're living in a new city and you have this list of everything you want to do, but you're living there, it's always there. It's going to always be there until it's not. And that I think is one of the lessons that 2020, but this pandemic, I'll say that yeah. has taught us because life isn't always going to be right there for you to live, especially in the travel world. This taught us that Paris won't always be there. There's going to be a time, hopefully never again, but there has been a time where we weren't able to go to Paris and do all these different things. And I'm so grateful. That's one of the lessons that I've learned it with a smile on my face that take advantage of where you are when you're able because tomorrow's never promised unfortunately yeah i think you're totally right and even for me is i wanted to travel in 2020 myself but naturally that didn't happen and it was like now that this has happened and it's an article i recently read is there's this kind of idea of younger people like in our age group that are basically just putting off careers or even like leaving jobs that are comfortable and just saying, screw it. I'm going to take the more comfortable or the more flexible job so that I can go and do things in the world. And yeah. I, I see, keep seeing that more and more often now. Like even my brother, he left and he's now living in Denver and he works for a big giant company that's, they pay really well, but even he's annoyed by the old practices of like under planning and things like that. He's like, I really just want to work for a place that appreciates their people better. I don't really care if I make less yeah. at this point. <laughs> There's a huge title change. And I even noticed this as I was like finishing school, but I'm just curious if you've seen anything like that or because I know you've been so like, immersed in this kind of like more, I don't want to call it living in the moment, but like immersing yourself into living for the present and collecting experiences rather than like the things you, society tells you you should do in quotes. Yeah, see, I've always been that type of person that like didn't spend money on too much. I spent it on my travels already. Yeah, But I do know that a lot of people are what's the word like a lot of people are embracing travel a lot more after this pandemic and I think that's so beautiful because I wish that everybody could travel but now with a lot of jobs being put remote and being able to work from home 
it's getting easier for people to do. They're like, okay, I could take my laptop and all bank, bank teller, not tellers, but people that work in banks or bigger corporations that it's easy to work off of your laptops. Now they're like, oh yeah, let me go to this destination and just work on my laptop throughout the day. And I'm doing it on a beach. I have a friend in Costa Rica who's working on the beach now and he works on a computer and he's, this wouldn't have been possible if it wasn't for the pandemic. And I think a lot of companies are changing their way of working now that is going to be beneficial for a lot of people's mental health. And people are going to be able to experience life while working at the same time. And I think that's so that's another gorgeous thing that's come out of this pandemic. I, I really like that idea. It's actually one of the things I thought about it myself because my job became more remote with the pandemic. And on top of that, I've been just thinking about where Normally people have always been, it's like where you live defines the people you interact with. Yeah. But like with the internet and like you've been mentioning clubhouse all the time and then more traveling, it's like now people can actually choose to live in the area they want and work where like their work doesn't have to be actually located wherever they're physically located. And your friends don't have to be located where you're actually located to some degree. So it's like this really weird kind of, I don't even know, distributed way of like relationships where like the actual physical location is almost like a, like a cherry on top or like a nice to have in some degree. Like I'm going to live in this nice place because I just like it here. (laughs) And you just figure out the rest of it. And a lot of people, what they're doing is that they're testing different countries out. Now, yeah, I host a room, how to ditch your day job to travel the world. Mm. And there was a girl that was saying, like, that's what she does now. She works remote, but she's testing out different countries. So she'll go to a country for, let's say, two months and be like, I'm going to immerse myself. And if I don't like it, I'm just going to move on to the next country until I find one that it's calling my name and that I feel super comfortable in. And I'm just going to work from here. And that's that I think that's incredible because. Moving to a country takes a lot. Moving to a brand new country, it's a lot of restrictions in the sense of you don't know a lot of people. You might not know anybody. You don't. You might not even know the language. So testing it out, I think, is like the best route to take if you are thinking of going to a new country or moving to a new country or making it your life. But even so, if that's not the country, you could say that you live like a local in different countries, which I think is a beauty in itself. There's two questions I could ask that. The first one, do you have any like recommendations to getting used to a country? Like maybe you're not spending two months there, but like you maybe have two weeks or maybe a month in, in a specific area of a country. How would you acclimatize quicker? And then the other one is the getting used to the idea of even going even like longer term travel. Cause I think most people think of a week is, or maybe two weeks is like the limit. But I think if you really want to immerse yourself, a month is probably the the ideal. <laughs> yeah, it really depends with the locations, but I always say make sure you go onto Facebook and find the expat groups because Facebook is an incredible tool now. And there are so many groups that even I'm in in the UK ones. There's like London New Girl, let's say, or there's like the London Collective and like all these different ones and people in there are a lot of them are expats i'm a part of athens expats where they all talk about moving there or hey can somebody give me recommendations on i'm wanting to spend three days here what are things that i could do and you're talking to people who are locals or expats that have lived there and have really are are giving you the tips that you won't find online and 
after seeing all these different things, I didn't know about this when I was traveling. I like, I found out about this when I moved to London and my friends were all like, get on Facebook and join this group. And I'm like, oh my God. And now on these groups, it comes, there's even points where people are like, Hey, I'm bored. I'm going to Hyde Park. I'm going to be here if anybody wants to join. And then there's 30 people that come up and you get to meet all these different people. So Facebook is a great tool. Instagram, you could also check the little locations Mm -hmm. on a photo and go through those. And you can ask people, like when I went to Amsterdam, I wasn't sure what the weather was going to be like. So I found somebody who is currently in Amsterdam and I messaged them and I was like, hey, super random question. Do I need a jacket? It says it's 16 degrees, but it's not like a cold 16 degrees, like a hot one. This is Celsius. Um, And yeah, and we got to talking and she gave me all these recommendations on the stuff that she had done throughout the last few days. There's so many resources now with websites and in the internet that you could just easily just get recommendations from people who have actually done it before. And you learn so much more like that. Yeah. If you're looking at moving to a new country, definitely look at stuff like that. Talk to people who have done it and you'll find those people either on Clubhouse, on Instagram, on Facebook, (laughs) utilize the platforms, utilize them because they're there to help. It's such a cool way of thinking about it because I didn't even think about that, especially whenever you type in anything travel-related, you just get inundated with blogs and things like that are all just like clickbaity. Right. They're not very good and useful in like the tactical, like the how And a lot of them are sponsored. They got paid for this to write about these experiences. So then it's, oh. I don't know, if was it actually good or are you saying it's good because they, like the boards yeah. put you up there, so. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Take everything yeah. with a grain of salt, people. <laughs> exactly. I still look at the blogs. They're yeah. still good, but there's so many different options. There's so much out there at this point. And it's just, I feel like half of the trouble is just, it, once you decide you want to do this thing, it's the that middle part where you're planning it and making sure you have all your bases covered, especially just using the example of going to Europe you still have to know a certain level of things with like phone chargers or laptop chargers and that kind of stuff. That's different. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There's so, so much. And thankfully we have the internet because I don't even know how people traveled before. Like it was like books. And I remember having to like figure out, go to like different stores and be like, I'm going to Europe, but I don't know if this plug is good or do I use this one? Do I use that? And now I'm just like, your plug, you know, I'm going to Paris. What plugs do they have there? So it's so easy. There is a charm to going to a place without researching it. Don't get me wrong. I do it. There's such a big charm about it because you're just like, let's see what the heck happens. But then there is also a charm. Let me research the country I'm going to so I don't miss something, which is another mistake that I've made many times. (laughs) Yeah. Do your due diligence up to a certain point. This is probably the best point to ask. Do you have a top like three or five places you've been either country itself or a city within a country? Gosh, for me, it's really like the experience that you had there. There's so much. If I would say like. Maybe a story of a couple stories then if you don't have a specific place. Oh, let me think. Okay. Barcelona was very interesting for me just because my dad was born in Barcelona. So I had this big love for it. And I was like, yes, I used to watch Cheetah Girls, that the movie that took place in Barcelona being like, I cannot wait until one day I'm there. So I was so excited to get there. We had our first full day. It was beautiful weather. We got to do everything. And then it was torrential rain for the next three days to the point 
of we were on one of those tour buses that is like a double decker. They had a tarp on top and the tarp broke because of all the water buildup <laughs> broke right on top of one of the people sitting next to us. And she was soaked, absolutely soaked with like rainwater. And we were all, and we were watching the puddles just go on the platform, just oh like squish God. on the platform, going down the stairs. It was insane, but it was so much fun. It was such a fun trip. <laughs> and like, we stayed in a hostel, met all these people. We were doing parties at the hostel. And I was like, you know what? Regardless of the fact, like I'm going to be able to come back to Barcelona. I'm not going to be able to have this experience though. <laughs> to say, I watched a whole puddle fall on a person while on while rain's coming in through the windows. Like, <laughs> it was amazing. But that was a trip that I didn't think I thought I was going to love a lot differently than what I ended up, but I still have a massive love for it. I always go back to this one place, but Greece, I am Greek, been to Greece, maybe like 10 times, maybe a bit more. Um, but I would always go as a, as a child. So I'd always be with my family and stuff like that until 2016, the year that changed everything for me, I went with my cousin and I got to see Greece in a whole different light. But then when I moved to London, I met this girl named Veronica, who is my co-host on The Hostel Life. And she, we went to Zach and Co's together. And that was a hoot and a half because like we had a quad that neither of us had driven a quad before. We had, we were going through very dangerous areas that we shouldn't have been advised to go through because we were about to fall off a cliff at one point. Veronica had to jump off of the quad because of how much she was shaking because there was no barriers or anything. We vowed to never go back there until we saw how incredible that beach was. And we went back two days later and risked our life again. But it was a great experience. And <laughs> it's one of my favorite stories. Like that entire trip we spent a week there and I got to visit the little towns around and they were shocked that I spoke Greek and it was like nobody non-Greek goes through these certain towns sometimes and I got to see it in a whole different light if you're ever in Greece get a quad get a car do it because I saw it so differently and you really get to visit the different areas but Greece yeah Greece is another one that I absolutely love but that is another special place in my heart because of family life but where else I'm pulling so many blanks right now, but London changed my life. That I think is the biggest one. Everybody needs to go there. <laughs> so cool. I think it, I just always enjoy the richness of the stories and why people find different parts of it so like magical for them. And or even just, for instance, the Barcelona story, it could have been a horrible story <laughs> or yeah. you could have taken it horribly, but you just able to make it into something more meaningful for yourself because it's it's just unique, right? Like you can't go back and redo that. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of the people that I met in Barcelona, I'm still friends with. And that's why we're still friends is because we got to hang out at the hostel together and make those connections. Mm. And that's what hostels are amazing about. Because let's say you just have a crap weather day. Everybody's indoors. So we start playing oh, games other. We start hanging out with each other. There was even the situation where in London, we had the London bridge attack. Oh, wow. And we were supposed to go out that night. And it was this, there's a running joke at the hostel that we're always late. And we made a joke, we're leaving at 11.04. And I'm pretty sure it happened at 11.01 or something. And we were on the verge of leaving until my mom texted me. And she was like, there's something happening. And this tragedy of a story, which 
rocked all of London. We were all there shocked being like, do, do, do we even, can we leave the hostel? Are we safe? But we all went to a little bar, like right next to our place. And we had such a fantastic night because we were like, this is what we're going to do. We're going to stay together, keep each other safe. We're right next to the hostel. And let's just, everybody is in such a weird mindset right now. Let's just lift each other's spirits. Let's make this night somewhat positive in our little crew. And we, once again, I still talk to the people from that night specifically because we got to bond and take a bad situation and make it mildly more positive than what it could have been. When you're surrounded with people, you could always change the mood somehow. Yeah. There's gonna, always going to be someone there. That's it's so interesting to me because I can't help but it reminds me of almost like a refugee story or, or around those kind of things where you have to leave a country and then you just bond really closely to wherever you end up being or the people you're around. It's by traveling in like hostile settings, you force yourself to have this family by experience in some sense where you yeah. just bond really closely with these people. And it's almost like unexpected because you don't go into it assuming that you will by any means. Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. Like, like I said at the start, so many people that I met at the hostel, when I first met them, I didn't think I was going to be friends with them. You know, I was like, yeah, cool. Nice to meet you. Let's be friends. But one of them messaged me last night. And I, that like the beauty with hostels is the fact that you connect on such different levels. Like you mentioned something before where when you're traveling, it's a whole different way of life. Like it's the way I always like to say that I would love to travel with a boyfriend because you get to, before moving in and it becoming super serious because you get to see that person from the moment they wake up to the moment they go to sleep. And there's so much that goes into traveling to that you meet somebody and you go, okay, I see them in their full person. Like I see them fully. There's nowhere that you can hide. You cannot hide your personality. You cannot hide. I, I, I'd be walking downstairs after a, a massive night with makeup all over my face. And I didn't even care. Like they saw me at my absolute worst. And I don't even remember what your question was at the moment. I'm so sorry. It's okay. I like where the story is going. I, I think <laughs> I'm just raveling. it's all good. I really like that. I, I think you're totally right though, because it's like, in normal life, we get this opportunity to put your best face forward at all times. And in travel, it's you're just, there is, the moment is now <laughs> in so many yeah. ways. And all you have to do is it's either how well are you prepared for one thing? And then two, it's just the day is unfolding before you. So you get to learn so much about people's quirks or like their true self in some sense of like the things that annoy them or whatever. There's just yeah. so many things that you could just, you just can be, if you're perceptive enough, you can pick up on people around you that you wouldn't otherwise be afforded because you spend like tiny fractions of time with people. Heck, we did everything together. Like literally, like we traveled together, we worked together, we partied together. Imagine I'd be partying with my boss and I'd be working the next morning at 8 a.m. and he'd be buying me shots and I'd be like, no, stop buying me shots. I work tomorrow. And he's like, it's okay. You work in a hostel. It's okay. And I'm like, no, <laughs> like I have a 12 hour shift ahead of me. It's not about my work performance. I'm fine with that. It's about my mental health. Like I'm going to be falling asleep at reception. And I'm going to be in the worst moods. And you see each other in all of these vulnerable times when something goes wrong with work and your boss has to yell at you for something. And you're just like, but we were bonding last night. Like we were taking shots together. Why are you yelling at me now? And it's, yeah, it, it it's very weird because the lines are very blurred in, in the hostel, but 
it is very much like a family dynamic. We used to call each other the weirdest and closest family you'll ever meet because <laughs> we're just like the weirdest people. And I wish that there was cameras all around to capture all the <laughs> stuff that went down in that place. <laughs> it sounds like a reality show in general. I'm surprised oh, this hasn't yeah. been made into a reality show at some point yet, <laughs> to be honest. I 100% agree. <laughs> oh my God, yes. We would talk about this all the time because- once again, like you're working together, you're living together. And not only that, but you are also hooking up together, like with, with people inside the hostel. So like one of my little like relationship things that I had, he was also like my superior. Like he was like a manager almost. So that was weird. So there's a lot of these weird situations that people don't normally deal with and it may it would make for such good tv like my best friend started dating the manager and three years later I'm like they're still together and that was a whole situation because like she worked for him so there's all these situations that happen in a hostel that could so easily be put into a tv show <laughs> and it would make incredible tv I'm telling you I promise you somebody needs to film this stuff Sounds like if you just need a to make casting it director out yeah. there, you know, looking for a new show idea, I will pitch you the hostel life. Seriously, it's just so incredible, just the range of, I don't even know, human behavior or something. Even if you just probably dropped like an anthropologist to just observe a hostel, <laughs> they'd have a, oh, yeah. an entire report to be able to <laughs> just examine human behavior in, you know, small group. <laughs> Yeah, there was a playwright who stayed with us for a long time and he did like a whole script around the hostel. That's amazing. I hope yeah, it got made, did. whatever he wrote. It didn't. It didn't oh. get made. But he sat us all down and there was like 20 of us there. And he's just like, okay, so this is my story. Okay, so you two get together. You are the manager. You are this. You are the exact same person that you are in real life, whatever. And he just sit there and take notes of like us, just like, like when we would just have these group discussions and he'd be like, okay, this person said something witty. This person's witty. Oh, I like what you said here. Let me write that down. <laughs> he probably had a play right there. And we're like, okay, this is cool. Like this could actually be a thing. And that was the best time of, of the hostel as well. So he had a lot to write about and <laughs> It could be done. It could very well be done very easily as well. <laughs> it's more of like filtering and material because you got too much. There's too much good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's going to be too many storylines happening. Right, exactly. It's about trying to find like, how do you keep this on the track without going off the rails? <laughs> yeah, no, that's going to be very hard with hostile people. I'll tell you that. <laughs> it's probably tangents all over the place all of the time. Someone gets too yeah. excited or is drinking too much and it's just... <laughs> yeah and then not only do you have like your core 20 people that are the workers and the staff but you also have the long-term guests who aren't fully integrated but they're still there and then you also have your guest so your guests bring in a certain energy mm -hmm. then the long-termers bring in another one and then the staff are just there like let's party and let's have fun <laughs> let's pump people up so then you have, oh God, just the characters that you meet in that place. Or it's just, I have a hard time believing that as soon as you walk in that room, it's not going to go from like chill to we're about to just line up shots here. Oh yeah. We used to have a Wednesday wine night where you brought your own wine, but we supplied like everything else, like the snacks and all that. 
And yeah, that get crazy. And I'd be always be like, do you want to change it to a Friday? And he's like, no, 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 no. It's hump day, like middle of the week. We got this. We go into work, hungover on Thursday, Friday. It doesn't matter if we're hungover. It's Friday. Who cares? And I'm like, oh my God, I wouldn't partake because I'm a teacher. Right. So I have to be fully there in the morning <laughs> with plenty of two-year-olds. But a lot of them would be up until 6 a.m. partying oh and have Lord. two hours sleep and then go into work the next day and be like, I'm good, guys. I got this. <laughs> God, the, yeah. The level intensity and the the average work week means nothing. <laughs> really doesn't in London. How like pubs close, pubs open, sorry, pubs close at 11 p.m. Mm-hmm. And that's because um, it's an after work thing because everybody goes to the pubs after work and gets hammered on Thursdays. Oh. So then they close at 11. And then if you want to take the party further, you go clubbing because that's when the clubs open. Oh, wow. Let's that's so different than America. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that was a, like <laughs> yeah. so ingrained in the culture like that. That's very different. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Pubs every single night. Everybody would just get hammered and yeah, turn into a whole thing. Drinking culture is very real in England. Very real. <laughs> I'm not surprised at all, but it's, no. <laughs> it's fascinating for me to hear about though, because it's around here, at least for me, it's mostly like craft beer drinking and stuff like that is the americanized version of it i don't know if too many people get outside of bar crawls maybe but yeah there it's mostly like the warm beers mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm, I'm not a beer person but they love their guinness mm-hmm. they love their peroni and i'm just not about that <laughs> so i just sit back and i have my cider and i sit there and i just watch I would watch I, I I enjoy watching everybody get obliviated. What's the word? Obliterated. Obliterated. Um, every night, just with their pints, one behind the other, just banging them back. <laughs> and yeah, it's definitely a different culture than what North America has. I'll tell you that it definitely is. It's more of a pastime than like a going out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what I was. That's what it sounds like to me. And I'm honestly, I'm just like really intrigued because I don't know the idea for me to obviously you'd stick out like a sore thumb if you you're new there. But the idea of just existing with the locals in any new place sounds way more interesting than being the tourist. Uh, something I've recently learned is there's something there's a tourist and then there's a traveler will immerse themselves. A tourist will go visit the sites. Yeah, And when you immerse yourself, you become a part of it. And that's what London is. It's really easy to immerse yourself, which is, I think, one of the reasons why I love it so much. Yeah, I was going to say, because I've heard some people say that like London and even like France and Germany and things like that are are still really close to America, at least if you're an American. So it's easier to acclimatize to it. So I'm just curious if you have anything to add to to what makes it feel different in some sense you've alluded to some of it already but it like i didn't really have a massive culture shock the culture shock for me was more the pubs like what i said when the fact that you go into the financial districts and at 4 p.m the sidewalks are just filled with people because there are pubs everywhere and then obviously the accents that was gorgeous. A lot of people thought I sounded Irish and they'd be like, oh, you're Irish. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm not even from this <laughs> side of the pond. So that was funny because I taught little kids. They tell me that I sounded like a robot, which 
in North American culture, I 100% do not sound like a robot. I am not monotone or anything, but to them, they go, robots have an American accent. Therefore, Miss Garcia has a robotic voice. And I'm like, wow. no. And I'd ask them and I'd say like, where do you think I'm from? And they'd be like, Australia, you're from Germany. You're from this, you're from America. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, what America? You have to be a bit more specific about America. But that was a lot of fun. The food is quite different as well. Fish and chips aren't as incredible in the UK. I have to say I'm going to get <laughs> hated on by a lot of Brits. But I'm looking forward to it. And it doesn't live up to the hype for me. Um, <laughs> But they have a lot of incredible food. And then what else is there in the UK? The fact that transport is so available as well. The tube is everywhere. Mm -hmm. So you, I missed my car because I missed being able to go to McDonald's. Like right. I would have to walk to McDonald's if I wanted to go. That kind of sucked. But then the tube is just everywhere. So that was beautiful for me because it's not like that here in Montreal. It comes every three minutes. <laughs> worked out and I could go wherever I wanted and I wish I took more advantage of it but yeah those are like the biggest culture shocks that I really saw and then the plugs yeah that was interesting as well but but yeah that's basically it it's so, with the culture shock yeah it's really interesting to me just because I just keep thinking about the things you might be able to see or explore and that you just wouldn't be able to get without living there yourself in some sense or the things that it's more or more like the subtle things that kind of hit you after you've been there for a while, I guess. It's it's only until you've adjusted and you're like, oh, yeah, this is different. And it's funny to me, too, that people would say you sound like a robot just because you have such an energetic yeah. voice in general. Like, it's so high energy <laughs> compared you. to most people. So I'm just, it's just hilarious that people would assume that. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> I was like a robot. There's so much more to compare me to, but not a robot. Not even, yeah. <laughs> not what I was. You definitely don't like sound like Siri uh, for the record. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> But yeah, no, there is the accent thing was very surprising. Yeah, no, I think those kids, they didn't know what else to, to yeah. compare it to. So a robot, I, I'll take it. I'll take it. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's, fine. it's so funny to me. It's because I, I definitely heard the Canadian accent a little bit slightly because I have some Canadians that are part of our team at work. So I've heard Montreal and Toronto a little bit, but it's yeah. really subtle. It sounds a lot like the Midwest to me in general <laughs> it's really funny because last so obviously I live with a lot like in the hostels I lived with a lot of Australians specifically mm -hmm. so I, I guess being like surrounded by a mix of British and Australian I started to sing my words a little bit more oh interesting and, yeah and I didn't realize that I changed like that my voice changed a bit but then when I came home for a funeral and I got to see all this family that I hadn't seen in so long They'd see me and they'd be like, oh my God, you have a British accent now. And I was like, no, I don't. And my mom was like, make sure you don't speak with your accent. I was like, I didn't even know I had an accent. <laughs> so when the family member said it, my mom looked at me. I was like, what are you talking about? I don't sound British. But then That's amazing. I, yeah. And then I, because I had some visa issues, I had to get, jump onto my Greek passport. So I had to get a Greek passport. I was out of the UK for three months. So I was around my mom. I was in Greece. So my accent started changing and I hadn't spoken to my best friend in maybe like three weeks because she was on her travels as well. So 
she calls me and we get to talking and she's, you sound so Canadian now. I was like, what? Seriously? And she's like, your whole accent has changed. And coming home during this pandemic and like being surrounded with only my mom, you know, like outsider influence, especially before Clubhouse and all that. She was the only person I spoke to and I could start seeing my accent come back. I was starting to say words that I'm like, wow, okay, that came out weirdly. I wasn't expecting that to come out like that. Okay. And I'm seeing like my accent revert back and I'm like, okay, maybe I had a bit of an accent. I'm starting to realize it now. That's so Super interesting. interesting. Yeah. You now I'm like curious about how accents form because it's like my one friend, he just moved to Jacksonville, Florida and they're like, oh, you're from Chicago. He's go away. He's leave me alone. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's super, super interesting because being in Montreal, they all think that I'm supposed to be French or I should have a French accent. And I live in a very English part of Montreal, like the most English part in all of Quebec. And so when people hear me, they go, oh, you're American. And I'm like, no, I'm not American. I'm very much uh, Montreal, but because our only English influence is the States right next to us or French. So I adapt to the English with the States. And then my sister, who is my half sister and my half brother, let's say both of them, they grew up speaking French. So they have a different accent to me. So it's like when people met my sister, they're like, but wait, you guys are (laughs) sisters and you guys sound completely different. And I'm like, we live half an hour away from each other. And yep, our accents are 100% That's different. That's crazy. Only yeah. a half hour away from each other and that much different. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's a cool place to live in Montreal because you do get that that English and French situation where yeah. people can understand the fact at, at how much we need to follow by French rules and all these French things like we have a mutual friend, Maggie, and Maggie is so fascinated whenever I'm on the phone with her. She's, tell me about this. How does this work in Montreal? And how does the French work with this? And I, I didn't realize how interesting it was until I started talking to her more and more about it. And I surprised myself and I'm like, oh, okay, actually Montreal's cool with these different quirks that we have. But yeah, accents are so interesting. I love them. Yeah, it's funny. It's I've heard a freaking, one of my friends, she was in, wanna say? Montreal for ice skating. She was a Canadian ice skater for a little while. And she would say that the, it felt like it was a little bit of Europe had basically transplanted into North America with the, how much French influence was in that area. Cause the street signs are all in French and things like that. And they look down on the rest of the, the normal Canadians, like the non-French portion of it and things like that. And I'm like, Oh, it's so the dynamic is so interesting to me because America is so much of a melting pot that it's like you could go anywhere and, or even just different parts of the cities and you get Chinatown or all those different places that just so ethnically different. It's just, it's so hard to just pinpoint any one thing. So to have an entire country assume the identity of French and like be their own version of French too, like a French Canadian is a very like proud thing from what yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. It's an interesting dynamic for sure. It does cause some issues at times. I will not lie. And there is some things I agree with, some things I don't agree with, but I am very lucky to call myself Montrealer just because it is so diverse and it's so different than so many different cities. Like you said, Throughout all of North America, there's probably three or four cities that have French as like one of their mo- more dominant mm-hmm. languages. 
And to say that I live in one of them is super cool because I have all these stories and all these different backgrounds of my stepmom. Like for me, I spoke Greek as my first language. Oh, wow. Then I learned to French because my stepmom was French. So I spoke French at my dad's and my stepmom's. And then I learned English at school. And a lot of people, they can't say that. And I love that I could say that about myself because I'm friends with so many Australians that they learn different languages, Thai. They like, so for them, me speaking three languages is like mind boggling. And it's, I love that. And I wouldn't have been able to, I would have probably not learned French if I didn't live in Montreal. I would have probably heard about it and whatnot because Canada, but yeah, I'm very glad at the fact that I could say I speak three languages and one of them being a language that I use every day here. Yeah, that's, I think that's so cool. I would never even have guessed, especially the Greek. I could have guessed it if considering your background, but just the fluency at which you speak English doesn't even give away the fact that you can know more than one language at that. It's really fascinating to me. And I'm personally learning German right now with Duolingo. Oh, that is so hard. I feel like it's cheating though, because it's so close to American sometimes, like English. It's yeah. Some words are very obvious, like almost one for one. <laughs> kindergarten, kindergarten, yeah. kinder, kid and garden. Exactly. Garden. The, the thing that trips me up though is grammar with sentence structure. It's like, why are you putting things in different places? That doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> that and also the pronunciation of different words. So difficult. W's are V's in German. So <laughs> when you see a W, you pronounce it with the sound of a V. So it's, I want to say it with a V sound or W sound sometimes. I'm like, that's wrong. It's wrong. But you're trying to do it. It's the same thing in Poland. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, I, I was saying, oh, yeah, I'm going to Warclaw. And they're like, oh, no, you're going to Warclaw. Bar- bar- <laughs> and I was like, how did that come from Warclaw? That doesn't make sense to me. But yeah, no, it's uh, German is a difficult language, but easy to read. I'm excited for you to learn it. Yeah. It's very interesting. My name is very German. You've probably noticed it. Just I have no I my parent my dad's side of the family is from Germany, but we they came over here and adopted the you become like you assimilate to the culture of of the place you're living. So his grandfather basically adapted to it, but we have a whole bunch of like family records of the history of my family, the Wenzel family. And so the German history for me has always been really cool. And I really would like to just go back there at the very least to see what that place is all about. Obviously Berlin and just all the history there would be so cool for me to see at the very least. Plus it's just a reason to go to Europe in general. Berlin was absolutely incredible. Also Austria, you're going to have to go to Austria as well. Always. (laughs) Yeah. You just have to, especially when when you're German, you have to like see like all the different situations that happen. But exactly. (laughs) um, Yeah, no, Berlin was such a cool place for history and especially do walking tours because they bring you to like the different places that might look like an absolute like dump. And they're like, yeah, this is where this happened in history that everybody knows about from the history books. And I'm like, whoa, what? <laughs> you know, like, like, I knew that Hitler's bunker was under a parking lot, mm-hmm. but he, the tour guy kept bringing us to different parking lots. And he said, this parking lot is very special. Does anybody know why? I was like, this is where the bunker was. And it was like the ugliest place. And Germany <laughs> did that on purpose. They're yeah. like, we're going to make this the ugliest place. So that way it's not celebrated. And it's so crazy to go through all these different parts of Berlin and being like, holy crap, I'm standing here and 
40 years ago, this whole thing happened here. Like it's so close in history that we think it's so far away. And it just happened maybe 40, 50 years ago. I, I love that. I, I love history in that sense. Like in America, yeah. we don't, we do have some history. If you go obviously to like the state capitals or things like that. But I feel like at least from what my friends have told me who've gotten a chance to go to Europe and see some of the Roman baths and stuff like that around England. It's just, you get a way different sense of how old things are. Even the houses you're living yeah. in are a lot older. So I just really want to be able to see that stuff. And one of my friends has been reading up on like the origins of, of religion and things like that. So he's told me about the Familia Sagrada in Spain. Oh, so beautiful. I'm assuming you've seen it probably if you've been. I saw school. it from the outside. Yeah. I didn't get to see it from the inside because of the torrential rain and you have to line up. Uh, but it is beautiful from the outside. I found some photos of the interior and it's nothing short of magical. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah. it doesn't make any sense. Like, how does that even work? But it does somehow. It's so cool. I just. All of Gaudi's work was just fantastic. Like that, the entire of Barcelona is just so beautifully constructed thanks to him. And it's just, you see Sagrada Familia, like just all the different Gaudi Park, like all these different things that he did. It's Yeah, I'm a big history nerd as well. <laughs> and architecture is like my photography passion. Oh, cool. When you come to Europe, I will make an itinerary <laughs> and I will come and travel with you and show you the good places. I'm, I'm totally in. It sounds like <laughs> having a tour guide of any form would be amazing just to- yeah be able to see all the spots that you'd normally miss if you're just being a tourist. This might be for a round two to get more into the history stuff and photography things. Cause I had no idea. Yeah. I've seen some of your photography obviously, but I had no idea how much <clears throat> you were into it. So could definitely be a round two there just for talking about <laughs> historical stuff. Cause I could be there all day. <laughs> no, no, no. Like, yeah. like it's already over an hour. Like time has flown. It has. I can't believe that. Yeah, I know. We've been talking for an hour now. I can't believe that's gone so quickly. I know. It, that's usually what happens whenever these things you get going and you just start. It's always fun. And I guess the ending question here, I think for people, especially now that we're at the way out of this pandemic. And since you're so into travel is how would you recommend someone who's now coming out of this pandemic and looking to travel somewhere. It doesn't have to be Europe, even though we spent a lot of time talking about Europe. Just if they want to start traveling even a day or two away, how would you recommend someone start getting themselves comfortable with going on a place or recommending first step? I would go to a big city to start off with. And once again, I'm going to say go stay at a hostel just because if if you're going to do with somebody else, you don't need to stay in a hostel. But for me, people are what make a trip even more special. I would say go to a big city. That way you have a lot to do and you can fill your days. Even if you are a hundred percent alone, there's going to be things for you to do, things for you to see, museums for you to visit. And that would be my number one tip. My number two tip is to do a tour just because there's a lot of free walking tours that you could just tip your tour guide, whatever you feel is, is good. And you get introduced to the city and I like to do it on the first day, just because that way I get an idea of what the city is. And I could ask my tour guide different questions and recommendations. And you also meet people there as well. A lot of travelers that are there on their first day. So you, that's another way to meet people. But yeah, I, yeah, those would be my two top. Take a tour and go to a big city. 
Cool. I like that. That's a, I think it's a really good way of doing it. I hadn't thought about that, but it makes a lot of sense because if there's anyone who knows the city, it's going to be that tour guide. <laughs> exactly. And do it. Go for it. Go traveling. Go do it. It's not as scary as it might seem. <laughs> I feel like people just have to rip the Band-Aid off. At least that's that's yes. my, my opinion. It's like people get worried and they're like, what if I don't? Or they imagine the worst that could happen. <laughs> Yeah, look, there's going to always be something bad that crosses your mind, but just as long as you're prepared and you have a charged phone, always have a charged phone on you that you could contact somebody and you will be good to go. Cool. <clears throat> so last thing is just where can people find you on the internet? You could find me on my Instagram first and foremost. That is Steph. I am with an X at the end. So Steph, I am X or my travel photography one, which is still starting up, but it is ISO travels with an X. Those are my two Instagrams, clubhouse stuff. I am with an X as well. And that's basically it. I'm just, I'm easy <laughs> when it comes to finding me on social. Yeah. It's very easy to figure out which one you are. <laughs> I'll, I'll have yeah. link. I'll have these linked on the webpage too. Once it goes live. So people can find it there in the show notes and it'll be super easy for people to follow along. And so amazing. Thank you so much for having me and for inviting me to be on here. This has been <laughs> such a fun chat. Yeah, I really enjoyed this. And as always, one hour is not nearly enough to cover everything. <laughs> and so I just try to leave it short and sweet and cover a lot of ground, but leave it open for a round two at some future day. Yes, I am interested in that. Let's do it. Awesome. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the podcast. And as always, I'd love to hear from you. And I really just want to make this podcast the best podcast you listen to. Meaning, if there's anything that you really enjoyed or any feedback for us, I would love for you to reach out on the social medias. You can find Feeding Curiosity across LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram in the usual places just by searching Feeding Curiosity. You can also send us an email or a message through the website. You can also support the work that we're doing here, including the podcast and all other content that we produce at Feeding Curiosity by either going to anchor.fm slash feeding curiosity slash support, or you can head over to the website and hit the support button and support us directly there as well. By supporting the podcast, you effectively keep us from having to deal with sponsorship and keeping the relationship that me and you, the listener, have as honest and open as possible. As for me, I take the idea of selling products and or sponsoring products very, very serious. Honestly, I just want to provide access to information to as many people as possible with as little of a barrier of entry as possible. At the very least, if you want to do anything to support the podcast, leave a review on the platform of choosing to subscribe, like, rate it, all of that. It helps out a ton. Again, thank you all for listening, and I hope you join in on the next episode.